welcome to the Crash the Pond podcast. Welcome back, everybody. It has been an eventful last week of Ducks hockey. December 13th edition of the pod here. Jake, how are you feeling after, let's just get it out of the way right off the top, the the moment, the goal, the, the Zegras to Milano play that that broke the internet we this is this is our first official podcast since yeah goal happened yeah i mean it was insane um as uh gabe green lee says it's a goal that will go down oh he didn't say this but he brought up the word it goes in the annals of time for the best uh best goal in ducks history um no but in general it's i mentioned this on the patreon episode but i think it's worth reiterating here I was I was left speechless I think after the goal because I think there's not really a good way to necessarily describe the play and, and what happened in the sense of actually fully doing justice to the to what occurred on the ice. And so I think kind of transitioning from that to almost under trying to understand that this was a play that was completed by a guy on the Ducks and I mean everyone out there should know already but the the Zegers small on a play was Zegers picks it up in the Michigan tosses it over that in insane fashion and Milano bats it in perfectly. So the fact that that type of play, that type of uh, creativity happened in a duck sweater, it, it's just something that I didn't necessarily know what to do with. If, if that makes any sense, it, it just, it, it really like I'm, I'm even saying again, it left me speechless and you and I were talking about this and maybe in discord, I put it in there also, but it was really like a couple hours later when it hit me. And while, yes, this isn't a goal that won a Stanley Cup, it's nothing from that perspective, but there are moments where you kind of sit back and, and you think about it and you realize that you just watch or witness history. And that's how that goal felt in some ways. You just witnessed this guy that essentially has started to blossom. He, he's 20 years old. He's starting to come into his own in his rookie year, starting to really make his impact on the game. And it's not only making an impact in the game on the game in terms of just scoring goals, but he's doing it in a way that's going to inspire a next generation. We actually, it's funny. Do you remember the conversation we had on the last episode? Which one? So on Monday, last Monday night. So after the Capitals game, pre the the day before the night yeah. before the yeah. Sabres game, we had a discussion about Trevor Zegers and the fact that he had an insane game against the Capitals. They played him a bunch of ice time and a lot of these different things. And we were talking about just how wonderful it is to have a guy like that on the Ducks and how that type of player is going to inspire the next generation and how the creativity that he has, the ability he has to just make these plays is something that's so uncanny and it's something that's so... Um, uh, I can't even think about the right word, but it, it, it's just going to catch on and, and there's going to be so many kids that want to play hockey because of him. And it's funny that that play happens the day after we have that conversation yeah and, right on and it, yeah and, and it's just funny how it, like it just so succinctly puts kind of on screen what we were talking about there and the fact that michael b jordan put it on his instagram the fact that it was viewed what over 50 million times is what i think the ducks pr was saying the fact that it it led the scott van pelt show trevor's egos was on abc7 he led uh coverage on the point for espn he the ducks were the talk of the town because of a high not not because of anything bad because of a highly skilled play from a highly skilled kid that is going to reinvent what ducks hockey means and i think it was a special moment that will go down in the history of this franchise yeah certainly and i remember watching the play happen 
and thinking he gets behind the net, he goes to pick up the puck, and I'm thinking, okay, he's going to try the Michigan, right? Because we've we've seen him do that. I, didn't he try it in his first NHL game or like one of Some, his something like that? One of yeah. his first three NHL games, he tried the Michigan. So he's tried that before, and I was thinking, okay, like this, here we go again. This this should be interesting. And then instead of you know going for the wraparound, which you do with the Michigan, he just kind of holds it up, and I'm thinking, oh, this is different what's about to happen and then he i see him toss it and i'm thinking oh this is what's happening and then milano bats it out of the air into the net and i just stared at my screen blankly for about 15 seconds like i just i just couldn't believe what i had just witnessed the fact that a he tried it that b they pulled it off like from start to finish with both the toss the bat out of the air, just everything about that. The celebration after the fact that they had to review it to make sure it wasn't a high stick. The, his and, laugh know, on the bench. The ensuing giggles on the bench between Milano and Zegras, like like two like two schoolboys who just got away with something in class, right? Yeah. Like, got away with yeah. a prank from the back of class. Um, you know, hit the teacher with a spitball or something. Like it was just it was just the craziest five to ten minute span of NHL hockey I've seen in a long, long time. And yeah, when I put it out there on Twitter that this might, th- this is one of the most memorable goals in Ducks history. You know, not in the same vein as the other goals that will come to mind, big playoff moments, but just the fact that it was such a unique and, uh, I mean, devastating moment for for the opposition for the Buffalo Sabers. So, yeah, really I, cool moment. I can't remember the last time a regular season goal would stick out this much to me. No. No, I think I, mean, I think I think like I think all the other goals that are mentioned are playoff goals, right? I, I don't know if there is another regular season goal that is a lot in the same vein as this one that will always be oh, remembered. No. I mean, I mean, but this isn't like again. It, it's kind of what we talked about on the last podcast. It's that when you're talking about the Zegers, Milano, and Raquel line, you're not even just talking about comparing them to their own team anymore. Like they're on, on a league wide scale. They are very, very yeah, good. They are excellent. And here, here's one thing that uh, a point that I think you made on the Patreon episode. And, and I, it's one that's worth uh, repeating for everyone, because I've seen a lot of people try to say this on, on Twitter. And I think there's a big distinction to be made. A lot of people will say that what's so special about that play and uh, not that many people can actually, or that or a bunch of people can actually pick up the puck and complete that play. It's not that difficult to do. And I don't think that's an a completely incorrect point because we've seen team or players try, now try it. Kids now try it. And I actually do think that's what makes this special is it's not necessarily such a high skilled play that it's not repeatable. I think it's cool that kids can actually go and do this. But what makes that such a high-skilled play and what makes it so special isn't necessarily the ability to do it, but the ability to recognize that that is the the best option that he has and improvise, improvise on the fly to, do, to essentially make a play that no one besides, I guess, Pavel Datsuk has really tried. And so to, to see all of the options on the ice in front of him and be able to make a decision, nah, screw it, I'm going to go my own route that no one has gone before in a way that has worked. And that's what makes that play truly special, is that he the recognition and the IQ of, this is my best way to create a goal for my team. And that's, I think, also if we want to get into the a brief little bit on the, the conversation against this goal, at the end of the day, what did this, this play do from Zegers? It got the puck to the front of the net in a dangerous area. Two uh, 
onto the stick of his teammate. This is no different than, as you've mentioned, Wayne Gretzky being behind the net with the puck on his stick in his quote-unquote office trying to dish it to a teammate. This is just getting the puck to that player in a non-traditional way that was unexpected, and it resulted in a goal. And, And so it's just... It's such a smart play and such a unique play, and there's so many things about it. And the other thing that that's so fascinating about it is now that he scored this goal, this opens up the opportunity to score a regular Michigan goal. Because as <laughs> uh, as the PDO cast talked about this when when they were discussing Zegers, actually it was recorded I think before this uh, this goal. But uh, Jack Hahn brought up uh, depth of skill and how having a different way to be able to create uh, create a uh, chance. Uh, from a different situation gives you essentially a better chance of becoming a star. And with Trevor Zegras, now when he's behind the net, teams don't know how to defend him because he can do whatever he wants. If he goes to pick up the puck, that doesn't necessarily mean he's wrapping it around for a lacrosse goal because you, if you watch that goal again, Colin Miller sitting on the back post and, and he's basically there to stop Zegras from, from pulling it around with a Michigan type goal. And so, now that player might need to commit differently and maybe it opens up Zegers to fake that and go for something else. We've seen Zegers try fake behind the goal, uh, behind the legs passes to open up passing lanes. Everything that he does has a reason behind it. And I think that's, what's kind of fascinating with all of this is it's not just doing it to showboat. It's doing it with a reason also to try to create a chance and open up shooting lanes. And that's just how skilled he is, is that, this these are plays that are normal enough to him that he can utilize them to to essentially create chances. Right, exactly. I mean that that was the whole thing during. I mean up until that goal, right when Zegers would try something really off the wall, really different during a game, like let's say even with the LA game where he tries to go between the legs and fakes out Dowdy on the two on one. You you get the groans online of people saying, oh, you know just make the make the simple play there just shoot it or or what have you and this is why you don't this is why you don't try to stifle the skill because the more he tries stuff the more that he's trying to execute plays the more you're building up to him actually pulling something off and it's not just that it was a highlight reel it was also a goal for his team yeah right like in a win so it, it's it's one of those things where like i think i had mentioned earlier in the season for Zegers, these are just play- like like you were explaining just now a little bit. These are just this is to him just the best play in that moment. I don't. I think he does have the flair for the dramatic. I think that yeah. he is. I think he is a showman at heart. But I also think that because he trains in a certain way, because he sees the game a certain way, that's just the best play to him in that moment. And and that's not an on and off switch. Like that's not. This isn't the kind of player that you can tell to dumb it down because he sees the game. This is how he sees the game, mm-hmm. and and you're and no one is really going to be able to change that. Now, to Dallas Higgins' credit, I do think that there are coaches, as we found out, <laughs> yeah, uh, in the days after, there are coaches who would like who would literally tell their players to not do that, or who would tell yeah. them to reconsider. And to Dallas Higgins' credit, I mean, you and I, when we got to talk to him uh, at development camp, he said like he he encourages Egress to try stuff. Like this is this is part of their rapport between player and coach. And I think that what we saw against Buffalo was really just kind of the, the, the payoff from letting him do what he wants to do. And, and the thing is that's only going to continue. We're and, only going to get more highlights from Trevor Zegers. Yeah. And here's the thing. Dallas Aikens actually had an interview with the DFO podcast. And there was something else. I can't remember exactly what it was that I wanted to bring up from that. But one thing that Dallas Aikens brought up is 
we're in, and this is something I try to mention a bunch. This is an entertainment industry at the end of the day. And what better thing can you do than provide entertainment with these types of plays? And so why would you not want these plays to happen? And that's kind of the the, the point that Dallas Hakens made. And while I don't, I, I think that the narrative around we need to give Dallas Hakens a bunch of praise for this is a bit overblown because I think that at the end of the day, it's a highly skilled play and any coach should be allowing their highly skilled players to make those plays. Yeah. I think what the John Tortorella quote said is, this is not a normal thing for hockey, though, for mm-hmm. hockey coaches to allow that. And so I think Aikens deserves some credit, but it resulted in a goal. So, I mean, I don't know if he deserves all the credit in the world for allowing his players to do this because no. it's it's resulting in positive plays for the team. No, right? it's more so it should be noted. It should be noted yes. that, that he's not getting in the way of it, which... He's not stifling it. Yeah, exactly. And and that is half the battle here. Um so, yeah, I mean, with, with Zegers, though, I, you know, it's funny because last season I'm thinking back to it was a game against L.A., I believe, uh, where Max Contois tried the Michigan. I don't know if you yeah. remember this. And didn't didn't pull it off at all. And Drew Doughty did not like it. Drew Doughty gave him a step yep. in the midsection. And it's funny because no one, no one really talked about that afterwards. It was like ho-hum, just whatever. And, you know, but when those plays actually work, then all of a sudden, right, for certain people, it's like the end of the world. So it's just funny kind of how and, and you know, I think even fellow players around the league resented a little bit. Like you saw oh, the, the dry sidle. Yeah. I mean, not that I'm expecting a rival player in the same division to fawn over his opponent's play, because, you know, a lot like we like we talked about over the weekend, a lot of guys can do that. It's just the fact that he pulled it off. Um, yeah. So jealousy, jealousy is a thing, I guess. I guess. And <laughs> and yeah, real brief on the the torts comments. They're so dumb. And at the end of the day, I don't want to give it too much breath no, here. It, it honestly is not worth it. it. It's really not worth it. Like, True. It, <laughs> but, then, then you're right. You're right. So there it is. Well, no, I mean, I, I think it's okay to briefly address it. Like, all I will say is this. If you think, if you think that you're going to lose fans or that you are losing fans and that this is somehow bad for the game, and that the game used to be an honest, hard game, then I would implore whoever is making that claim, which in this case is John Tortorella, to actually provide evidence, because he did not back up his claims whatsoever. If anything, the hard, honest game that he is calling for, that that, that he is uh, pining for, you saw the clip on Twitter over the weekend of Timo Solani in the 90s against the Rangers just getting mauled. Yeah you know, for 45 seconds straight on a shift. And that was normal back then. So I guess that's honest hockey losing fans, the losing fans comment Uh, again, no evidence provided. And if anything, the evidence that we have completely points to the contrary with the 50 50 million views and people that you might not expect to post about it. Um, So anyway, that's all I'll say about it is it's just like, okay, you can have a hot take. I, I have hot takes all the time, but you better come with some kind of argument instead of just, saying whatever you seem to feel like it's almost worse when you say something like that and then don't even have anything behind it because it shows that either you're lazy and you're not actually willing to to make your case and you're just expecting people to believe you because you're an nhl coach or were an nhl coach or b you're just afraid to actually say what you think and why you think it which either way like those are not good reasons yeah those are not good and here's the other thing 
at the end of the day, it's not as if this was like a five nothing blowout where where no. Zegers pulled this play. No, th- this was a clutch goal. Yeah. This was in a close game. Th- this was a goal that created the game win, or this was a play that created the game winning goal. And by the way, we should mention, seeing as we've talked about Zegers a bunch, uh, Sonny Milano deserves deserves a little bit of credit yes. here for for batting that puck in uh, perfectly. And that also is a ridiculously high skilled play after the night before batting in the puck backhanded against the I mean, Capitals. I mean, that's just what he does. He's yeah. just really good at that. And it's funny because the day after I got a bunch of videos sent my way on, on Twitter of, you know, the, the draft year videos of Sonny Milano with all the puck tricks, which I had remembered watching those like as a kid, which mm-hmm. kind of dating me, but I remember watching those and now, you know, seeing all those skills come to fruition in a game. I mean, it's, it's pretty cool. It was, a, yeah. it was a cool moment. It was, yeah, it, it, it's really nothing. And you know, I will say this also, um, I was watching hockey night in Canada on Saturday, which of course Saturday. Um, but Elliot Freeman made a comment that, okay, it was a bad take by Tortorella, which he dis- disagrees with, but it doesn't deserve to be piled on. I just want to know, like, why wouldn't it be? It's such a bad take to say that not like like that. Well, it's and ignoring... it's the fact, that, and it's the fact that Torts double down on down well, on it when when also... he. When, but when the 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 thing that's I think missed here right right with that is that uh for uh Ray Ferraro came to John Tortorella afterwards and they actually had a bit of a back and forth on it and Tortorella doubled down on it and didn't really provide like you said any actual evidence to his argument whereas Ferraro. At least Ferraro said, he's like, I would have no issue with that if I'm on the bench. The only reason why I would have an issue is if that puck gets missed and it goes the other way for a dangerous chance and ends up as a goal in the back of my net on the other side. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that the problem I have with saying that it's, you know, people shouldn't pile on on it is because think about what was actually said. Like, it's it's ignoring the substance of the statements. Like, he said, literally, this will lose fans. True. This that final statement so bad. Like, like, think about how serious of a charge that is. So, yeah, I, I didn't love that. I feel like that was just kind of a weird thing to say. But, you know, that's why we should like cut this this part of it short because it's just it's just dumb all, all around. That that side of the reaction was dumb. Celebrate the achievement. Celebrate the goal. And celebrate the fact that we get to watch number forty six every night. Yeah, and I and mean number twelve. Yeah, and and the thing with Zegers is. This was his coming out party, and you saw him interviewed all over the place. Yep. And there could not be a better representation for hockey than Trevor Zegers, I think, in the sense of a very personable guy, someone that uh, plays the game in an entertaining fashion with speed and skill and kind of essentially the way that you want to broadcast the game overall. And he has a personality behind him also. And, like, this is exactly what you want. And, I mean, that exchange, for instance – uh, with Bouchigras in, in yeah. the post game interview, like the interview, the part with Callahan was fine, great, talked about it, but just the exchange with Bouchigras between uh, with Zegers and him about seeing him at what was it, Dunkin' Donuts or whatever it was, it just kind of shows the personality that Trevor has and that he's willing to kind of give that. Like this guy's twenty years old and doing that. Like this is what you want. This is how you market the game. You you put these stars out there. You let them have the space they need. And the thing is, I don't know if there's been someone with his skill that has this kind of personality. Well, I think what makes it different with Zegers is that it feels, it doesn't feel fabricated with him. Mm -hmm. Like it feels like this, it feels genuine. It feels authentic. Maybe it isn't like, who knows? We don't actually know the guy, but it comes across as this is just who he is as someone who genuinely just absolutely loves the game is having the time of his life out there. 
it remind I said this in our Discord. It reminds me a lot of young Alex Ovechkin when he first entered, remember when he first entered the NHL, like couldn't yeah. speak English, but always had the big smile. There was always he he was always in front of the cameras, and it was it's like that. Like it's just this this positive energy that you can just latch onto as a fan and just enjoy watching him go out there and do his thing. And you know, like there's other stars in the league who I think the NHL is trying to push, like let's say in Austin Matthews, but with all due respect, like with Austin Matthews, like he does not have that that charisma. No, he <laughs> doesn't. Ever and, and Sean Siebel brings up USA Born so easier to connect with as a question. I don't think it's necessarily that. I just think he, like, I think it's just personality. Like, for instance, just look at him versus Jamie Drysdale. And this isn't saying, like, everyone has a different personality. And, no, and that's I, perfectly I, fine. I think, I think there is something to that, but not exactly in the way that the question is being posed. So I think that USA Hockey makes, like, the modern USA Oh, I see hockey, what you're saying makes more room for individual talent, individual play. Um, I think it fosters more creativity, whereas I think Hockey Canada is really more focused on fitting fitting the mold, cookie cutter, being one of the guys. And hey, like it's it's worked out great for Hockey Canada. But I think this is a this is also partly maybe a product of USA hockey, the American culture and just like, you know, American athletic culture with you know, known for its kind of magnetic stars who knows but yeah there could be something to that it's also just it's also just about him like there's there hasn't been another guy like him in the last 10 years right so that's and i why, think that, and that's i think why we that, don't want to go too crazy with the, the and, and yeah we're, we're definitely going way over the overboard here but i think that the ducks have a star on their hands and i think we've started to see the uh the twitter the ducks twitter account really step out and become entertaining and fun. They know. They know. And they know what they have there. And I think the Ducks also need to start realizing that and push him everywhere. I mean, they have been. He's, I know, but continue to podcast. do that. He's on friggin' ABC7. Like, they're, I think they're doing a good job with him. And I think that, you know, for a while, it really felt like the Ducks were almost holding back with Zegris, right? Just in the way that they were pushing him out to the media or even just the way kind of the the broadcast crew would always couch their comments about him. And it, it felt like there was this push from within the organization to not inflate his ego or something. And now it feels like that's just completely gone away. Let, like, let me just, ask you this. Just let him, let him flourish. Let me ask you this before mm-hmm. uh, we start to transition to the actual games outside of <laughs> the singular play. I mean, is this we, is, this is worth a 20 minute I, no, discussion. Agreed. Agreed. Mm-hmm. What do you think would have been the reaction to all this? If Bob Murray was still the general manager. Do you think he would have had a similar reaction to Torts? Uh, you know, it's hard to say. Because, it is. It, because, it's just something that popped into my head today. Because for Bob Murray, I mean, A, it's happening for his team, right? Um, maybe Maybe he doesn't like it as much. But, but Torts Tor- Tor- Tor said if it was his team, he would have a conversation with them. I mean, fuck Torts. <laughs> I don't know Fair. what else to say. <laughs> no, but Tor- Torts and Bob Murray are, are cut from the same cloth. Yeah, but I think with it's just different when you're the guy who drafted him, right? It, it's that, That's a good point. That's it's good different point. when it's happening on the team that you put together, right? Like, you get to take credit for it. So I, I think that Murray would have been fine with it, to be honest. Okay. Yeah. It was just a random thought I had. I mean, I, was like... I, I think that the way that they're pushing him out now might not have happened if Murray was still around. Yeah. I will say that. Yep. Agreed. So... Want to briefly jump into the games, though, before we maybe get into some more big-picture topics from these pa- this past week? Yeah, so I think the way that 
the way that makes sense to me to go over the past week, and I think this is something maybe we can do just moving forward because I think it's hard to go through each game recap. Mm-hmm. Like, these are games that have already been seen. Also, there was f- literally five games in the last seven days, so it's just there's been, been four I- games since we we lasted a podcast. Yeah, it, it's been a bit of a whirlwind. So just kind of let's just start with the big picture. Just the the ten thousand feet well, view of this team. The ten thousand feet view of this team is that the Ducks finished the road trip going three one and one. Yeah, and they're first in the Pacific. First in the Pacific. Granted, everyone should stop using points. Use points percentage. It's so much when when Look, the Ducks have that many games in let, hand. Let, let the let the headline slide. Let the headline slide. They're first in the Pacific. I just sure sure sure. <laughs> I, I, I agree hate, with you. I, by the way, I I hate it. I, I mean, I hate Calgary it. is too hasn't played as many games, and they're now shut down. Yeah, so. like I mean, the Ducks are legitimately like the second best team in the division, though, because sure. it's yeah, six I, seven. It's like they're they're ahead of Edmonton. So like if if you were to power rank this division, the Ducks aren't first. No, but they're, but they're not this like distant second or third. No, no, not at all. Th- that's the difference. And, and so they came off this road trip where missing Ryan Getzloff, missing Adam Henrique, obviously still missing Comtois, still missing missing Max Jones, and uh, they were able to find a way to get three wins, one loss, and one over one uh, shootout loss to the Capitals. And I mean that shootout loss, they probably should have ended up winning. Yeah. Um well, and so or like the Pittsburgh game as well. I, they deserve yeah. at least a goal. So like they, they were out. in all of these games. It's not as if there was even a blowout. And so for them to do that on this road trip was honestly really impressive because I think coming in, you and I both thought a two two and one record would have been about right. Mm-hmm. And so maybe beat Buffalo, beat Columbus, lose an overtimer shootout to St. Louis, and lose to Pittsburgh and lose to Washington. And that would be a very respectable good outcome for this team and they went three one and one and so i think from the big picture perspective of making the playoffs the ducks did themselves a huge favor on this road trip with the amount of points that they picked up yeah, and I mean, I mean looking at money puck they're at 77.4 percent probability mm-hmm. of making yep. the playoffs now and and then from a five on five perspective they played some good hockey i mean buffalo buffalo was a bit of a weird game where it was just like a very low event game on the whole, it, it was not a uh, inspiring game. Just from no, an entertainment I, perspective, which is hilarious because it came with the moment that yeah. we will be talking about. Outside for years. of that goal, I swear I don't remember anything else. I from that game. I, I don't either. Forty two point three percent expected goals for percentage, but against Columbus, fifty two point five expected goals for uh, percentage, forty eight point three against Pittsburgh, and then sixty three point three against St Louis. So kind of up and down a bit, but they even the ones that they were below fifty, they were close. Mm-hmm. And so they were in every game on the road trip, five and seven, and they played well. I mean, I think from from that perspective, it, it was a really, really good road trip. There's obviously going to be little things that we'll start to get into as critiques, but I, I think overall this is a really good road trip for this team. The Zegris line was really good. Ryan Getzloff coming back. Troy Terry, I mean, dear God, the guy's a superstar right now. Yeah, I mean, I th- it's funny because th- this podcast so far is is just very on brand for us, just Zegers and now Terry. But it it it's just worth mentioning that Troy Terry is on a forty eight goal pace right now, uh, and that and it's not just the numbers because we've we've talked about that endlessly with with him. It's the fact like just watch him play right now. I was uh, I, I got a DM tonight from from Dmitry Filipovich and he was saying I'm putting together. He was like I'm putting together a Troy Terry mixtape for tomorrow. And my God, this guy and the stick handling. And I'm like, yeah, like, yes. You, <laughs> Welcome. Sh- you should you should find the clip uh, of me. What was that? Three years ago? 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, th- that's what I'm saying though. Is that right now, just from an eye test perspective, he, when he has the puck on his stick, not only is he keeping it, but he's gonna he's going through guys. Yeah, he's going through. He's going around. He's 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 snapping it around. He's getting shots on net. He is a man possessed. So we're just gonna pl- completely uh, shill out and plug Dimitri's podcast again, the PDO cast, because it was good. on, on it was the episode podcast. with Jack Hahn when they were talking about Trevor's egress. They were talking about the. That Jack Hahn, and for those that don't know, great follow on Twitter, great uh, an- or analytical mind, really dives into the systems of play and looks at individual players from essentially highlighting their go- uh, their play and everything along those lines. But he brings up the fact that he wants to see players actually fail um, at-, at a younger age and try to attempt plays and fail as they're doing it and not make the safe play. Because if they're trying to, if they continue to make the safe play, then that's all they're gonna ever do, or ever going to do, which is not ever going to create chances. He wants to see a player try to uh, go through a guy and fail as a result of that, um, because it shows that they have this willingness, and eventually it's going to click. And that's, I think, it, it it was more so related to Trevor Zegras in that moment, but that I think very much applies well, no, they, to Troy Terry. Oh yeah, they were talking about Zegras. Yeah. Well, that's the thing with Terry that so. This is something Demetrius mentioning to me, but it's like every time he's going down the ice, he's trying to put the puck between guys' skates. And that is actually one thing that I've noticed with with Terry this season that he hasn't done as much of in the past. His ability to either slip the puck through a guy's uh, skates or underneath their stick. Yeah. It's become like a tool that he goes to with regularity at, at a high rate. And that's not something he's always had. And of course, to be able to not only develop that skill, but use it in a game. Like you were just saying with, with what Jack said is you, you have to fail a few times. And with Terry, it, again, it just feels like right now, everything is coming together for him. And if this is just who he's going to be for the next, you know, three, four years, the ducks are gonna have to pay up very soon. Yeah. But they have one of the best value contracts in the league. I would go so far as to say that right now, Troy Terry is in the top, whatever, underrated players in the NHL him, like top th- he might be the most underrated player in the league yeah I, I think that that's probably fair e- even though people even though he got people's attention with the point streak and rightfully so I still don't think that people understand the how converse- impactful this guy is the conversation around it was always a- about how it's not sustainable for him and not right. necessarily diving deeper into say it, it was more so saying oh who's this Troy Terry guy oh right. he must just be a nobody that that's gotten hot instead of actually understanding oh no he's very good and is finally actually getting rewarded for what he's done I mean you saw it against uh Pittsburgh where he got all in St. Louis he finally was getting all the chance or he was getting a bunch chances wasn't going in against Pittsburgh but uh, of course this is what happens and this is why we look at things like expected goals look at things like scoring chances look at things like shot attempts because the more that you get eventually it's going to end up in the back of the net and I mean that's what you saw for, from Troy Terry is that he got a, a bunch of chances and they didn't go in against Pittsburgh but he continued to get those chances against the Blues and it started to go in and eventually led to him having the OT winner and with a yeah. penalty shot which was that was the classic that was the classic quintessential Troy Terry experience because he draws a penalty, which turns yeah. into a penalty shot, yep. which he scores on. Like, yep. like that is that was so on brand for him. I actually think in that game, he could have drawn five penalties. Yeah. And, and the refs just weren't calling. I mean, the first penalty wasn't called until halfway through the game for either team. One thing that did change for, for Terry, though, in the last two games, uh, one Ryan Getzlaff being back yeah. in the lineup because with Sam Steele and Vinny Letary, it wasn't awful. They actually had one th- their last game together before Getzlaff came back. They were actually quite good. 
but before that it was it was tougher sledding and it's funny because if you look at the shot now this is a bit of a tangent if you look at the shot rates for different ducks players Vinny Letary is way up there this year like he, when he's out there he's shooting the puck a lot yeah so so good good for good good for Vinny yeah and i mean it kind of bears itself out in the numbers uh if you look at Troy Terry with Ryan Getzloff this season uh 299 minutes together 50 uh uh, was it 55% expected goals, 4% actually might scratch that Terry is very good because, uh, he has a 55% expected goals, 4% with Getzloff or without Getzloff. Right. Uh, he, yeah, it's kind of crazy actually how he was able to drag, uh, Sam Steele and, uh, Vinny Letary to those numbers. When yeah. You the think game, about it. The, the game before the Pittsburgh game, the game before Getzloff yeah. came back. Yeah. I mean, I mean, all, I mean, expect- all together, but that e- game ex- expected goals four per 60 goes up with Getzloff, yeah. but expected goals against goes up slightly also. Um, but yeah, it, it's one of those things where, where Troy Terry is just absolutely excellent. One thing can, can we talk about before we uh, get to our ad read? Should we do that first? Do you want Cause, to? Cause I feel like we're, we're, we're long winded today, which is fine. I'm, yeah. I'm here for all it. right. So here we go. We're going to we're going to get a word from our sponsor then. Okay. The holiday season is here and with it comes the yearly questions of what do I wear to non ugly sweater parties and how do I maximize my time savoring holiday moments and minimizing uh, my time shopping for gifts. Fear not, wary holiday wanderer. Mac Weldon has all the answers. Whether it's an office party, a party with family friend or family and friends or just a holiday party of you, your couch and a game on TV. That, that That's the best party. Uh, Mac Weldon has all the essentials to keep you stylish and comfortable throughout the season, and their innovative daily wear system has taken the hard work out of outfit planning with pieces designed to work together for any occasion, save you time, and sparing you any extra holiday stress. We're talking top-notch bestseller, best-selling bottoms and underwear and accessories uh, that will please even the scroogiest guy on your list. With Mac Weldon, your holiday heavy lifting will be complete within minutes. I mean, Felix, guess what right now? What? I'm wearing my Ace sweatpant is it, from Mac is, Weldon right now. Is it now. weird that I'm I'm doing the same? I mean, not really. <laughs> I mean, here here's the thing. The Ace sweatpant is amazing. It, it's perfect, especially as it's now gotten chilly. It's dropped below 60 degrees. Sometimes even in the 40s in the morning, the Ace sweatpant is one of the perfect sweatpants you can find because it keeps you warm. And I'm just going to say this. They're pretty stylish where you could just wear it out. You want to go walk to go get Starbucks, go out, go to the market. You can wear these and not look like a schlub. It, they're fantastic. They're exactly what you want. Right, Felix? Yeah, I mean, that's that's always the drawback when you want to wear sweatpants is that very comfortable, but you're going to look like a bit of a slouch when you're out in public. So yeah. with, with the Ace sweatpants, you get all the, benefit of, the benefits of comfort, whether you're home or out and about, but you will also look good doing it. I can't recommend these enough. And I also can't recommend the Radius pant enough just because it is that time of year where you might be going to something a little more dressed up. You might be visiting some family or friends, what have you. And those will get you through it. They're comfortable. You're going to look classy. It, you really cannot go wrong with any one item from Mac Walden. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, they're, the Ace Collection uh, pairs super high, soft, uh, super soft, high performance fabric with a match style. Um, 
And then you also have all of the warm knit collection and the features uh, that feature shirts, vests, pajama pants, and more. And it uh, really helps you on your chillier winter days. It uses innovative technology that uses your own body heat to keep you at the perfect temperature. These products from Mack Weldon have me saying something I never thought. I'm ready for the cold. Uh, yeah, I never thought I would say that. But, you know, I, yeah. I, I'm feeling ready for it. And a gift set, what a concept. One gift that holds many gifts inside. And one is better. Uh, and no one is doing better gift sets this holiday season than Mack Weldon with limited edition color drops and a bevy of new releases. Their holiday gift sets are the perfect present for any guy on your list. This holiday season, every guy deserves to wear unforgettable clothes that he loves for the moments uh, with loved ones that he'll never forget. That's why Mack Weldon is always on my holiday list for giving and getting. So, everyone, for 20% off your first order, visit MacWeldon.com slash CTP and enter promo code CTP like Crash the Pond. That's MacWeldon.com slash CTP Promo code CTP for 20% off. Mac Weldon, get it right this holiday season. Yeah, for any for any uh, last-minute Christmas shoppers, they also ship fast. So just keep that in mind. Just throwing yep. that out there. Yep, okay. exactly. Now, we've, we've, we've gone on and on about this team, and I think that what I asked you last week and your response and my response, I stand by it. The Ducks are a good team right now. No question. Like, mm-hmm. the, they are... They're 12th in the NHL right now in expected goals for percentage, which is not something I thought I'd see this season. Kind of interesting, though, that they're 12th at 50.6%. Like, they are they are barely above break-even. They, they are, and they've kind of been hovering around break-even after the beginning of the season where they started so low. Yeah. Um, and they, but, I mean, to be fair, though, they haven't had a help, fully healthy lineup and they've been doing it, and I think that that's a, a good sign for them. Once Adam Henrique comes back, that will be a boost for them. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, they started off so poorly that they're still just working through that initial start. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, it feels like ancient history now, but if they just continue this, they're only going to keep trending up. So, yeah, I I, I stand by what I said last week. They are playing very well. There's elements of this roster, like the Zegers, Milano, Raquel line, Getzlaff, Terry, and, you know, Henrique when he's healthy. Like that top six is, is rock solid right now. They're getting good play from their top four on the blue line. The third pairing is very spotty, uh, to, to say the least, with, yeah. with the, the trio of Mahura. Well, the rotation between Mahura and Simon Benoit and Kevin Shattenkirk. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, a trend that has creeped its way up, and now we have to talk about it on the podcast, is that, and, and this was really, I mean, it's really been apparent in the last you know few games because the Ducks have been involved in so many overtime games and so many games where there's been lead changes, it begs the question, you know, why does this keep happening? And, you know, you and I were, as we were watching the game yesterday, we were texting saying, you know, Aikens is barely playing the Seagrass line. The Lundestrom line is now the shutdown line. And there's a lot of narrative out there right now about how we can start here. The fact that Isaac Lundestrom is this key contributor for the Ducks, that he is an important part of the roster, that he's taken major strides as a player, that he is now a guy. I mean, these are words, not not just for me, like this is from Dallas Aikens, Eric Stevens quotes in his article today. Like th- this is from the team, basically, that, that he is. I mean, they're talking about him in the same paragraph as Sammy Paulson, right? As as that third line glue guy that any championship team needs. Um, and I think it's important, although I, for one, would love to see a guy like Isaac Lundestrom 
take that next step and fully realize his potential. I think it's important for us to kind of uh, add some context to this conversation because any, any look at the numbers, any look at the shot differentials or expected goals differentials when Isaac Lindstrom is on the ice will not lead you to the conclusion that we are being served up by the team and, and different media outlets right now. Agree or disagree? Agreed. You, you look at on-ice metrics, and, and right now on the screen I have his RAPM charts. I had his JFresh, JFresh war chart, which has upgraded somewhat this year from 26th percentile to 43rd percentile, but a lot of that is going to be finishing uh, reasons. His even strength offense has gone down to 2%. Even strength defense gone down from 66th percentile to 60th percentile. And then if you look at kind of RAPM, and this for people who cannot see the screen, RAPM, everything from an offensive production standpoint is negative. And then the only things that are positive are shot... Uh, um, uh, suppression, a shot attempt suppression, even expected goal suppression is below break even or right at break even, and and so I I think it's an important piece to to bring up because I mean his on ice numbers haven't been good this year, and I think that kind of bears itself out where I think the important thing to understand, and, and this is something that's worth always repeating as we get new listeners, people that don't necessarily understand these things that that we're always talking about with war percentile and things like that, is that. The JFresh chart that I mentioned with the percentile of war and RIPM, they isolate for individual uh, um, performance. So they they go about it to isolate the player's performance as best they can um, away from their teammates and away from their opposition so you can look at individual impact on the game. And then it's not a perfect thing, but you can then take a look at their on-ice metrics and understand if they're the driving factor there, if in some ways they are um, a passenger or they're being dragged down by someone else, or if they have good numbers, if they're a passenger on that line. And so you look at the lines, and Isaac Lundestrom is in the uh, at 44% expected goals, 4 percentage um, throughout the season. And I mean, I've had people try to tell me, well, that's because he's obviously matched up against the other team's uh, best line, so of course he's going to have a bad expected goals, 4 percentage. And I think the, the proper response to that is the other team's top line, right, is going to be playing majority of the game. And so if that other line, if that other team's top line is playing the majority of the game and they're outchancing your line, you're probably going to lose the game most of the time. So if that's the case, maybe Isaac Lundestrom shouldn't be being put in that situation where he's going to be matched up against the other team's top line all the time. And so in some ways, I think Isaac Lundestrom, you, you can isolate it into two different parts. I think the role he's been put in is not proper to his play. I think he'd be much more suited for if you want to use him in a third line role, don't use him in these high leverage matchup situations. Give her some, give him some softer matchups that he can potentially take advantage of and start actually kind of uh, generating a bit more offense. But you can also say that in the role that he's been put in, he hasn't performed that well because he's been getting dominated. Having said all of that though, I think it's also important to note is that this is not to say that he's not going to become a good player. He's had good flashes, I think. I, I think, would you agree with this, that I think I'm more optimistic about Isaac Lundestrom's future in the NHL than I than you were in prior seasons um, due to the fact that I think he's had some flashes of offensive ability that I didn't necessarily think were there. But those flashes of offensive ability don't negate all of the other plays that have happened. Right. I mean, with, with Lundestrom, it, it is it is a multifaceted conversation because on one hand, the results are pretty like they tell a pretty consistent story. 
which is that when he's on the ice, the Ducks are getting outplayed by a healthy margin. But yeah, when you isolate for just watching him individually, there's a lot of good to take away. I think that his skating has improved both in a straight line and in terms of his pivoting, his qu- his quick tight turns, like all of that has gotten better. I think that his his abilities with the puck, right, dancing through guys that mm-hmm. when he's flying down the wing, like that has improved. You still kind of want to see him, you know, either shoot more or work on his shot and that will come over time guys add to their arsenal as we were talking about with terry um so there's there's definitely some positive there to take away but then you get into what actually happens when he's on the ice and what actually happens just isn't it's not helping the ducks right now and it's not all on him but he's also the one that's out there so you can't really fully separate those two and here's where i think the distinction or i guess the disparity in perception comes from so the expected goals for percentage when uh Lundestrom is on the ice as you already said 44 percent roughly right which mm-hmm. is i mean it, it's worse than like sam Steele. It, it's it's he's 18th on the team out of 23 eligible skaters uh who have played a minimum of 50 minutes at time of time on ice at five five but when you look at goals for percentage he's at so these are actual goal scores not not what you would expect to happen he's at 60.36 Goals for percentage, like like the Ducks are re- are winning the ridiculous share of goals when he's out there, and so why is that? Well, he's second on the team, and really he's first because Mason McTavish is first, and who barely played. He's first on the team in five on five save percentage, ninety five point two nine percent. So really, when he's out there, or sorry, he's fourth. My bad. I was looking at Bogru. He's fourth. Um, when he's out there. So and that would be a ninety four point eight four save percent. When he's out there, the Ducks are just getting like a ton of saves from John Gibson. Like he's just standing on his head in that particular time. But that's a small sample, and and we, and, and, and we know how Gibson has been overall. So and, that's bound to come down. And the point, I, and and the point I want to make here on top of that, is some people will say, well, isn't that maybe a sign that the the chances are coming from less dangerous areas, which is causing no, a higher not. save percentage? And so this is. Isaac Lundestrom, if you're looking at expected goals against, which expected goals take into consideration shot quality against, uh, he is the seventh worst player on the team in terms of expected goals against per 60. The players that are worse are Benoit, Silverberg, Grant, Mahura, Gru, and McTavish. And, And so this isn't a situation where there's chance limitation against, which is causing a higher save percentage. It's a situation of just essentially a smaller sample size where it hasn't necessarily had a chance to normalize yet. I mean, I hate, so, I, I hate to say it, I trigger warning to the Lundestrom fans, but he's getting lucky. Like, like the, the results he's getting in terms of the goals for and against right now are not due to his own play. They're just due to kind of variance, which happens with goalies, right? So, yeah, let me ask you this, though. And mm-hmm. this is key because, as we said, RIPM and those numbers are supposed to isolate for individual performance. Yeah. So this is but, the other facet. But, of the but they can't they can't perfectly do it, right? Mm-hmm. And he's had to play with Jacob Silverberg and a rotating door on that left wing outside of Silverberg. Yeah, Mason McTavish. Derek Grant. Yeah. Um, whoever else you want to throw there. And Silverberg hasn't been good this year. I, I think that that's not necessarily – maybe people don't want to hear that, but he hasn't. He, he's been good defensively like he's always been, but kind of on the same wavelength as Isaac Lundestrom of – being very poor offensively. And and so I'm just kind of curious for your thoughts on how much of it do you really put on Lundestrom? How much do you put on the situation? How much do you put on his line mates? 
Yeah, I, I think that's completely fair to point that out. Like, again, I'm not trying to say that this is all a big no, I know. On, on Lindstrom. I mean, I, I do want to give Silberg some slack because he got COVID. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And, like, we just still don't really know how that affects people long term. So that happened. His play hasn't been good, though. Like, the, the results aren't there. Um, and, you know, Derek Grant, that kind of speaks for itself. When he's out there, he's just a black hole uh, in terms of moving the puck up ice, getting offense. And Mason McTavish, who had flashes with the Ducks and I think brought a little more to the table offensively, but still nothing home to write, nothing to write home about. Uh, so that doesn't help, especially a guy like Lundestrom, who is a puck possession type player, who is a guy who likes to cut back, who likes to distribute. That's not really going to gel quite as well with guys like Silverberg, your grants of the world, who like to just chip it in, get it deep and, and work away below the goal line he is a guy who likes to carry it in and create offense that way so I think from a stylistic perspective that definitely hurts his results and I do think that in a better situation I think that there's a serious case to be made that he could do better yeah but we don't really have that counter example we, we don't really have that and this is all that we've got to work with this season and, and I think that we can't disregard it even though all of even though all of the counterfactuals could be true even though all of these factors could definitely be bearing themselves out you still need to be fair and say that the results have just not been good and that they and that they do not match the public narrative whatsoever yep agreed and so let me ask you this because this is the important question if we're gonna call out things like this and it's it's a really weird thing because for so long we've been critical of things that have been obviously negative so it's interesting where the team's good and now we're going to be critical. But I think as a part of that, we should definitely offer up our solution. And and how would you remedy the situation? Well, I think so. This is something that we were both looking at today and brought up on Twitter. It's that the Ducks, when they they play to the score in a way that completely hurts their chances of winning when they have a lead. Um, so right now, when they're up by one, uh, if you so, this is by natural stat trick. But when they're up I, by, and, and up on the screen, I have hockey vis's data for the five v five unblocked shot rates by score. Yeah. So when they're up by one, they're eight. They're eighteenth, I think it is, in expected goals against per sixty at five on five, which you know isn't great, but it's roughly middle of the pack. It's it's fine. You're limiting chances against, but in terms of expected goals for per sixty, they drop down to twenty eighth. So when they're leading at all. They go into it like this is Carlisle esque turtling from the Ducks when they get leads. And I think that the solution here, if you're Dallas Akins and Co., is just to play like don't play to the score quite as much. Or if you're going to play to the score, don't just completely sit back. You do not have the horses to just shut a team down, right? There, there's a way to, there's a way that you can succeed playing this style. But Isaac Lindstrom doesn't seem to be yeah. your shutdown center right now. So instead, the solution would just be roll either roll your four lines or just play your top nine equally distributed throughout the last 10 minutes or whatever when you're leading. Because right now, the Zegers line is one of the league's best play-driving lines. Yeah, And it's no coincidence to me that the Ducks are giving up a lead when those guys stop playing basically down the stretch. 
Yep. And, and so just for those that, that can't see the screen, this is from uh, Hockey Viz, really great chat chart and data. But when the Ducks are down one, the Ducks, and so what it does is it breaks it up uh, based upon score situation and where the Ducks are at in terms of relative to league average. So when the Ducks are down one, they generate about 23% more chances than league average when down a goal, but they allow about 12% more uh, chances against expected goals against when down one. So the ducks are kind of really open, fun fire wagon hockey whenever they're down a goal, which makes, makes sense. sense. Yeah. They, they, they have the guys to go. That's what you want. You want to open it up. But when tied, the ducks uh, generate uh, 4.8% uh, less expected goals for than the, uh, than league average and allow 1.9 expected goals against less. So essentially they are lower event at, uh, even strength than they are uh, than league average. And then it once again, when they're up one, even less, they, they, they do a good job of limiting chances against negative 1.1 or 1.1 percentage less uh, expected goals against, but they also generate negative 13.6. So the ducks really don't try or negative 13.6 expected goals for. So when the ducks are up one, they don't try to finish off games. They don't try to really lock it down. And that can also be seen if you look at ice time. And this is a coaching strategy thing more so than it is a actual, I think, um, uh, player issue. And so, for instance, if right now up on the screen, it's kind of hard to see, but it's also from Micah uh, over at HockeyViz. It's a chart showing uh, how guys are uh, ice times deployed in different score situations. And you can see Trevor Zegers right here. I think you can see my cursor is this gray line where it's really high. If the ducks are down three goals, two goals, one goal, then when it goes down to zero goals, pretty stark drop off. Then from zero goals to one goal, another big drop off up one goal to up two goals, even further drop off. And so instead of uh, overthinking it, galaxy braining it, where you're, essentially modifying your lineup, playing different guys, playing Derek Grant a bunch uh, because you, whatever reason you want, like look at Derek Grant. Derek Grant doesn't play when you're down two goals. Yet when you're down one, he plays a little bit tied even more and it just keeps going up and up and up. And it just doesn't make sense. Uh, Well, the thing is, it's not that it, it doesn't make sense because of the results. Like, okay, you have this, you have this theory of how you want to play depending on the score. And some teams have the players to pull that off. Like if Derek Grant was, say, a above-average defensive player who can drive play the other way, then yeah, it makes sense. But th- I think that Dallas Aikens and Co. have this vision of what those the names on the back of those jerseys mean in terms of what they can do late in a game. The results just don't agree with that whatsoever. And at a certain point, you have to you have to adjust. You have to find a way. And, you know, this is why when I think people are quite reasonably excited about the Ducks being back in the playoffs and having this opportunity in a weaker Pacific division. But this is the kind of stuff that gives me a little pause in terms of a, a playoff matchup with Dallas Higgins, because is he going to coach his way out of a win? Because that's that's what's happening. Not always, but it's he's th- this type of strategy is inviting the other team back in yeah. when you're ahead. So, yeah, I think, no. you know, maybe just don't don't go into total shutdown mode. Like when, when, you when the ducks, one. when the ducks are up a goal, Zegers doesn't play the final 10 minutes of the game. Because like here's here's the thing we have to also acknowledge is that every team sees a drop off when they're ahead, typically because the other team is pushing so hard. Right. It's score effects this is something we talk about on the show, mm-hmm. but it doesn't mean that you have to drop off that drastically. 
right? No, and, 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 and you and don't need seems, to you don't need it, to bench one of your you don't you don't need to bench one of your best players. Right. Well, because like, again, again, the, the the theory is that you're putting out a safe player, so you're going to limit your chances against, which theoretically should mean that you're not going to get scored on, which means you're not going to lose. But because those guys just cannot get it going the other way, you're taking off so much value off the table offensively that you're counteracting whatever net gain you're getting defensively. Well, and and here's the issue: there is in what like. Nick Delorier is not actually that great defensive. Like he's okay defensively, but he's not that great. Like Trevor Zegers yeah. is better defensively than Nick Delorier is, yeah. and that may seem a bit counterintuitive to people because people see Nick Delorier and they think he's this big body body guy he can hit. But if he's running around chasing guys and hitting them, that means he doesn't have the puck. Trevor Zegers, there was actually a play yesterday, and I wanted to highlight this, and I haven't necessarily been able. Maybe I'll try to find it real quick. Um, while we're talking and, and highlight it real quick for people on YouTube uh, for a split sec. Um, but there was a play yesterday uh, behind the net where Zegers kind of comes down and the puck's behind the net and he's getting pressured or he's racing a guy to a puck and he kind of slams on the brake, does a little toe drag behind the net to pull it back and ends up making a really creative play to pull the puck with him and breaks the puck out and leads transition to the other side. And it's those types of plays that don't get enough um, airtime, like wasn't ever mentioned, but yet yet when a guy makes a big hit in the defensive zone, of course, that's going to get a highlight package. But that type of play from Zegers is way more influential in the grand, grand scheme of the game as compared to a hit in the defensive zone that doesn't even account for a change in possession. Yeah, but that's also the kind of play that makes a coach... Uh, not want to put him out there late in the game, right? Because that's you don't want to see a guy try that behind his own net to break. If the it works, I agree with you. I'm not saying that that's what I think. I'm just saying that that's how coaches yeah. think. Right? True. That, that's why you're seeing uh, Dallas Higgins behave this way. But look, the Ducks, the Ducks are winning, right? Yeah, they're they're, they're, they're they're picking up these standing points. So it's not like we're trying to say it's all no. gloom. But this is this is an area of improvement. Well, it, it's the reason. It, the Ducks right now, we, we talked about this. They're about 50% expected goals for percentage. Yeah, and, what, like, what, and that, what, could, that what, could be higher. Yeah, exactly. What could it be if they were they were better optimized? If things were done just ever so slightly different. And one thing I also want to mention, Bonnie, love you, Bonnie, but Bonnie's saying hate on Lundestrom with a crying emoji. Uh, I think we should make it clear I, I, I is that this is listed in every direction to make sure to note that this isn't all on him. Like, well, I, and I, and I also <laughs> think that the, I think it's important to, to make sure this is clear. It's not hating on a player. I think it's more so uh, highlighting the situation that they've been put into and that there are better situations that they can be put in um, real quick before we move on to questions. What has been your thought on Sam Steele on the wing for Getzloff and Terry? How does every podcast end up having a Sam Steele conversation? This is this is insane. Because his numbers actually aren't horrible. Yeah, so I think that on that line, there's a couple things on that line. Even with Laterry and and Terry, he there was they had some games with good numbers. And part of that is that Laterry just shoots the puck a ton. Like that guy just loves shooting. And as we're learning, might have to eat some crow on the making fun of the, the elite one T. Yeah, like he also shout out to the Ducks Twitter account for for using that. Um, very good. They definitely pay attention to us, by the way. <laughs> what was it that we tweeted out, and then like very soon after they tweeted out something similar? I don't remember. I don't um, remember you either. Pay, you you pay oh, attention to that more oh, than I do. Oh, it was the fact that I think I said because in our Discord someone threw out that the goal should be called the Flying Z, 
which is what the goal should be called. It's just way too good to not call it that. Um, and then I think about a couple minutes later, the Ducks uh, Twitter account put that out as an option uh, for what to call the uh, the goal in a voting poll. Okay. Well, there you That's go. That's what it was. Um, um, you asked me about Sam Steele, though. I think that, like, good for him. Good for him that, that he's managed to string together a couple games where – the numbers look good and, and where he has had some moments, but I am not ready to plan the parade for him quite yet. I, I think that there were also games in that where it just looked like he was completely lost on the ice and where he couldn't make a pass. Uh, I've said this a couple of times in our discord, but the Sam Steele complete basic pass challenge is still, still well and, and alive. And one, one thing I want to highlight here, because me and uh, a good listener of ours, Jacob the Dozer, were, were talking about this yesterday, and he was wondering, what's the difference, though, when, when we talk about the fact that the the play kind of dies on, on steel stick as compared to, like, last year when we would highlight that Troy Terry, even though he would turn it over, it was a good turnover because he's trying something. I think the difference there is Sam Steele's trying to make a, a pass that just isn't going to work as compared to Terry or Zegers trying to make a high-skilled play that or that ends up turning the puck over. It's a well, little. Well, I think so, it's a different distinction to be made. Well, yeah. I mean, the difference is that with Terry, he was losing the puck at times, where he was attempting plays that had a high upside, where he's trying to cut True. into the middle, or he's trying to create a shot, or what have you. With Steele, he the 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 puck is dying on his stick, just regularly, like like not even trying anything, mm-hmm. right? And and that is the issue. Um. So for Steele. You know, I think that he is truly beloved in the Ducks locker room. I, it doesn't seem like anyone has a bad thing to say about him. He, he sounds like a, a great guy, a hard worker, and I'm I'm happy for him that things are kind of going relatively well. But I am still very skeptical that that he's going to be this top six contributor if he can keep this up, um, and maybe he turns himself into just like a fine bottom six guy or fourth line guy. Then great. The problem is the Ducks have a bunch of those guys already. Like, um, I think I think he could become, if he p- can play like this, let's just say this type of play. Like also, is just, what is he playing like? Like, we, we, we should define what we're saying. Like, just hasn't been awful. Like, I yes. mean, I, I really want to know what, I, I think he had one game, or maybe two games, where he had a couple of nice passes to Laterry, you know, a couple little moves down low, but it hasn't been anything. I mean, do you think worth. that he's a serviceable bottom six player right now, though? No. Okay. No, look at his numbers this year. Like, like no, I, I'm just <laughs> saying, it, like, based upon his numbers the last little bit. But granted, how much of that is playing with Troy Terry? Like, Troy, th- Troy Terry just makes everyone better. Here's the thing with with Steele is that like it, it's this merry-go-round where when he's not playing well in the wing, it's because he's not playing mm-hmm. at center, which is his mm-hmm. natural position. Mm-hmm. When he's not playing well at center, it's like, oh well, maybe you got to try him in the wing. Like, when are we just gonna admit that maybe he's not? Uh, I mean, whatever you want to say. Maybe he's not a top six guy. Maybe he's not an NHLer. I think that he could be a fourth liner. I think he could be potentially a fine fourth liner. But he also might already be who he's going to be. Like, how old is he right now? 23? Going on 24? So, I mean, he's he's right up there. Um, yeah, he's 23 and he's going to be 24 in February. So, I mean, he is now, like, in the prime of his career, essentially. Yep. yep. From, from a production perspective. So. Yep. Hope it turns around for him or continues to do so, but uh, and I'll be happy to eat crow if I'm wrong about this. But it, it's the opposite of Lindstrom, where the results aren't there at all, 
Um, but you can at least see flashes that are consistently there with him. And he's getting the points. Like, there's still stuff that you can point to. Mm-hmm. Not so much with Steele. Mm-hmm. All right. Anything else you want to you wanna get off your chest? Um, I, I just want to be very clear with people that I think this is a good team. I think that there are so many things to be happy about if you're a fan. Um, and I think it's it's okay to also point out that there are things that can there are be... There flaws. That, that, yeah, exactly. Like, it's They're not, not perfect. Yeah, exactly. And this is true for any team. Um, but I think with the Ducks, there's stuff that seems like it could be easily fixed. Like, it's not so fundamental yes. that, yeah. it, that, that, it, that they can't do anything about it. Mm-hmm. Like, the, the, the deployment stuff we talked about, fixable. 100%. So fix it. Yep. All right. Questions? Yeah. All right. So first off, uh, as we've been doing lately, first questions will actually be from our Discord. So podcast question channel there. Uh, anyone on our Discord, go in there. These questions will be asked. Jay, John, uh, Jay J. Stone Drum says, has Zegra surpassed Getzloff as the best duck of all time after that assist? Uh, well, depends who you ask there. Is, is Solani the best duck of all time? CJ and I had a good conversation yeah. about that. Which I, you I disagreed with, by the way. I do. I very much disagree with. Uh, Zegers, uh may have the a better highlight uh, real assist at this yeah. point, though. I don't think Getzloff has anything like that. Yeah. What would be the biggest highlight of Getzloff's career, just in terms of a play? The comeback like, on Contella Pass. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure he's got more than that, but I mean, there. It's just that Zegers plays an all-time play around the league. So, yeah, yeah, can't really compare the two. Yeah, uh, Olaf is berserker. Said ducks are overachieving in a rebuild year. So I have a pretty straightforward question for Felix. He didn't ask for Felix, but this is mainly for you. Will the ducks stand pat? <laughs> I, you know, people get really triggered now when I bring up the notion of a trade. Um, but I, I just, I can't imagine Jeff Solomon watching this and thinking, okay, the re- the rebuild is over. We're, we're, we're deviating from the plan and we're just going to double down and triple down on this current team. Right? Like there's just no way that that's what's going through their minds. So I, I, I don't think that they will stand pat, even though I know that that's said uh, partly in, in jest. I, I think that they will still make some moves at the trade deadline. Yep. Uh, JJ stone drum says, what are your guys opinion on goalies having uh, an a or a C? Why not? Why the hell not? I, I've never under. I mean, maybe I'm biased because I am a former goalie, but I think it's great. Why not? Yep. Uh, only issue there is being able to skate out to talk to officials, but who cares? I mean, goalies have skates, right? Like, like it's it's half. It's maybe a little further distance from the net than from the bench to the to the referees. But come on now. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Olaf is, uh, let's see. Uh, sorry. There's a couple of ones. D frenzy says, is it, uh, if, uh, is Sylph still possibly injured? Uh, he looks kind of, uh, out, just kind of out of it out there. And, uh, his skating try is off almost. Do you think this is just who he is now? I remember his hot start or do you think he can bounce back? So my thing with Silverberg is I just think, and this is kind of goes with what we were saying about Lundestrom is I just don't think that they should be playing in this shutdown role. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like to see Solberg in a role where he's just kind of playing in a normal uh, deployment as opposed to, okay, you're shutting down the other team. I think that maybe at this point in his career, post-hip surgery, this might not be the best spot for him. Because I still think he looks fine when you watch him play. I, I don't really see, like, people that say he looks slower. I mean, when has Jakob Solberg looked fast to you? Um, mm-hmm. He's not known for his speed at all. So I, I would say that he 
looks fine to me. But again, the, the role is just not optimal for him. Yep. Uh, CJ uh, KHL said Getzloff highlight, by the way. Goal against the wing. Started from the board, stangled in the slot, and went top shelf. Oh, back yeah. End. Wasn't that? I think that was 2013 playoffs. Mm-hmm. That sounds very familiar. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, o- uh, OG of West had said, assuming the likes of Manson, Raquel, and Lindholm were traded, who should the Ducks fully commit to in free agency? In terms of the... Free the, agent class. The free agent class. Ooh. Uh, weren't you looking at this the other day? Yeah. Johnny Gaudreau is really the only one. So yeah. Oh yeah. We had a back and forth about this last night on, on Johnny Gaudreau. I mean, I think he makes sense because he's a bit too old for me, but sure. I mean, but you think that about anyone past 26. Um, my thing with Gaudreau though, is that he's still very, very good. Um, and I think that his style is he's a ceiling raiser for the next couple of years still. Um, so that being said, he's the only one that I could maybe talk myself into, but it's still a situation where I think the ducks have to be very, very careful. It is a push and pull though, because the window you got to fill out your roster somehow. Yeah. And the window that they're in, I mean, Trevor Zegers is one more year on his ELC. So does Jamie Drysdale. Troy Terry has another year after this one. Like they have this window where their best players are going to be on the cheap. And, there is a way I think where you can capitalize on that by maybe spending a little more where you wouldn't, you just don't want that to cost you in five years. Yeah. And that's the big here. Big thing here is that any guy that you give a contract to that's 27 or 28, you're going to be giving them a six, seven, a six or seven year deal that will take them into their thirties. Well, th- this and is why Jack Eichel would have been perfect. Yeah. It, it, Jack Eichel. Yeah. There. Yeah, exactly. But, and you don't want those guys to be on those six or seven year deals where in their thirties, they're getting paid a high sum as Trevor Zegers has to then start getting paid. Jamie Drysdale has to get paid. Yep. Troy Terry has to get paid. Mason McTavish has to get paid. Yeah, like if, by, if you're by, a Ducks by, fan who thinks that all these prospects are going to end up being great, that that means they're going to have to get paid as well. Yeah, like that. that's a part of it. And you look at what Jack Hughes was just paid. So this is a situation where in order to avoid a cap bind, you don't want to give out the money in UFA sta- or for UFAs because it never ends up working out well. Like it doesn't. Like there, there's no way around it. Like Adam Henrique might be one of the best UFA type deals I've seen. And that's just because he's actually aged really well. Because he's playing well. Yeah. Um, like he's actually aged really well. Here's my question with, with uh Goudreau, though. Mm-hmm. If he comes to Anaheim, does this mean Zegers wears 11? I mean, Johnny Goudreau can change his number. Wow. You, you, you think Zegers is that kind of clout in the yep. locker room already? Yep. Yep. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. And, and so, I mean, it's, <laughs> Here's the thing we we've talked about this at depth of like why you don't resign Ricardo Cal why you don't resign Camp or not Camp Fowler Hampus Lindholm why you don't resign Josh Manson and, and, and so from my perspective at least I feel like I would be disingenuous to make that argument against them and then say oh go sign all these free agents though well sure but and I agree with that like I think you can't fully lean into it but there are certain players who are yeah. Like, like Johnny Gaudreau is a different tier. I I agree. Than it's it's just Cal. I would be cautious about the the sure. term. I think that that's totally reasonable. Um, the problem is it's pretty it's much gonna impossible. it's gonna take term to get him. Like why would why would you sign if you're a Gaudreau when you're like that team is not willing to give you the term that you could get somewhere else? Yep, like, exactly. I mean, oh man, if you look at Johnny Gaudreau's oh he's RPM good. charts this he's season, good. like he's breaking the chart almost. Um. So yeah, I, it would just be fun. I would just love to see that tandem. Wait, but 
probably Ran- not gonna randomly as we talked about Trevor Zegers's number. Can they just like let him come out on the <laughs> ice on Wednesday in eleven or thirteen? Like stop it with this stuff. Let him have his real number. Sell the jerseys. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know what to tell you. I mean, if you say something like that on Twitter, Jake, you you get pushback from for for saying that. which is bizarre. How do I get pushback from like that being like I criticize way more like ridiculous things. Like how is that <laughs> the thing that like gets me hate? Yeah, I've I've just been on a mute slash block spree lately. Like people yeah. are just man, people are out for blood. Um, anyway. Yeah, totally. It wouldn't be a, wouldn't be a show without us complaining about no. Twitter replies. Olaf is berserker said, "Will the Ducks in uh, with the Ducks in first in the division by points, not points percentage, at the quarter season mark? What are sustainable and unsustainable things you'd expect Ooh. to resolve in their correct division or in their correct direction by season's end?" Ooh, okay. Um, I think Isaac Lundestrom's <laughs> on ice results will not he will not continue to get nearly ninety five percent save percentage. Um, I think Ryan Getzlaff will turn it around ultimately shooting wise. Yeah. He, he must, his shooting percentage has to only be lower now, right? Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's insane. Yeah. Um, I, I think some other maybe unsustainable things. Hmm. I think John Gibson's PK save percentage will probably come down a little bit. Yeah. Um, and, and I think the penalty kill will start allowing some more goals and, and the penalty kill won't be viewed in the same fashion that they are. And special teams will start to come back down to league average or potentially below well, that. As I was going to bring this up, that the power play has fallen back down to earth, uh, in a big way. And I mean, you asked me about Sam Steele earlier, like he was getting minutes over Zegris on the power play yep. against St. Louis. So there you go, folks. <laughs> yeah, so I, I think maybe one thing that we might see course correct is um, I, I think that we might see Trevor Zegers start playing more. I think eventually it's going to have to – something's going to have to give there, I think. Because well, like that quote that Zegers had was so fascinating to me because he's, he's a guy that's not afraid to speak his – yeah, he, he, he's not afraid to speak his mind. And for those that don't know, I'll, I'll bring up the quote and, and read it. But he had a quote uh, that Eric Stevens said today where basically he he was asked about his usage and how it's obvious that he's not being used in late game situations. And he basically more or less said, I can only control what I can control. And I realized if I think about that and think about when I'm going out there and all this different type of stuff, I'm just going to get frustrated and not end up playing my game. So I need to not think about it. Yeah, but again, it's this crazy thing where he he was be he would be right to be frustrated because he should be out there over some of the guys that are being used in those late games. So here um, it is. It, it's one of those things I try not to think about. Right when I start trying to think uh, when I'm going out, that's kind of when I lose a bit of my mental game. I don't really try to look into the into that or read into that at all. Just whenever my name's called, I'm ready to go over the wall and, for sure. And by the way, that is the correct mindset. If you're yes, him. like yes. why why it serves you no purpose to sit there thinking about your ice time. Like that's, that's a fast track to frustration for him. Um, so I think that his mentality is totally on the money there, but for us, uh, from the comfort of our, our computers, we can say comfortably that, uh, he would be correct to be frustrated if he were, which I think he is. Yep. Uh, also, so now we're going to get into Twitter questions. This is just going to be a very question heavy end of the podcast because we still have to get to twitch but you know 
this is part of the fun is answering the questions after we get through our topics. This comes from Big Sean David at uh, Sean uh, D. Salisbury. Said, knowing the landscape could can be completely different. He sent this to me after the, the Buffalo game. Uh, different by the time you all next get to recording. What's your unbiased look at the Calder race? Seagrass seems to have the league promotion boost, but how does he statistically look against Raymond? Consistently scrambling my brain to think that Anaheim was linked to Raymond during that draft also. Thanks for everything you two do. So the question is, do we think Zegers is going to win the Calder? Yeah, let's go with that. Okay. Uh, my unbiased view of the Calder race is I haven't really looked at Raymond or Cider too much, but it seems like they have been very, very good. Um, yes. And so it's like, I think that all these guys are worthy candidates. I think it will be decided by the points unless Cider just kind of gets that that narrative bump of being the D man that's playing the minutes. Um, I don't know. What's your view on it? Um, yeah, I, I think that I think Mort Sider has been really good. I mean, you look at Jay Fresh's charts for all three of these guys, He's all been three, great. Like, all, like, all three of these guys have been excellent this year. Like the, yeah. these, this is one of the better races. I think you could have in terms of the, uh, the Calder Calder race. I, I think it's going to come down to those three. And I think that Calder's ends up being, um, they they kind of only end up being uh, forwards because of scoring, and so I think it's going to come down to Raymond and Zegers. I mean, Raymond right now is twenty four points, Zegers has twenty two, and they've played the same amount of games. So here's, here's what I will say though: um, mm-hmm. it looks as though just looking at like RAPM charts, that Sider's value is really driven by the power play, um, whereas like with Raymond, great on the power play as well, but definitely like close to. I mean, I think you can say he's defensively not very good. Um, at five on five, Zegers to me, just again, this is just looking at the stats because I haven't watched the other two guys quite that much. Zegers to me seems like maybe the most well rounded. If you look at five on five, like he has a tremendous impact offensively and not great, great defensively in some aspects, but still good enough and better than Raymond or Cider. So, mm-hmm. uh, I, you know. This is pretty biased, but I would pick Zegers right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I'm fully going to admit that that is my bias. I watch Zegers the most. I don't really watch the other two. I only have their stats to go off of, but Zegers to me does seem to have the most rounded game right now of those three. Yep. And now we got this one from Peter Witherow uh, said on the next pod. Uh, I'd love to hear yours and Felix's take on Silverberg to this season. He's been completely invisible up to this point, but I haven't heard any criticism of him. Uh, unlike Henrique last year, even though they're both making over 5 million, what are your guys thoughts on his lack of production and the free pass he seems to get from coaching? And he's saying, I'm saying this as someone who really likes Silverberg. Well, yeah, I mean, we already touched on it, but I'll get into it again. I think that if you look at his stats, He's it's funny him and Lundestrom are in that same category where their shot attempt suppression is really good or it's it's you know above replacement level but then in terms of suppressing shot quality and generating shot quality generating shot attempts like they are just below break even and I think that that kind of tells me again that these guys are being pigeonholed into this role that isn't really appropriate for any of them like Silverberg I mean he's almost 32 now uh Lundestrom is 22 it doesn't feel like they should be this go-to defensive line. Or if you want to use them in that way, just don't completely rely on them in late game situations or hard match them against the top line. Like sure, use them in a defensive way, but don't force it either. So I, 
I kind of want to give Silverberg a little bit of a pass as I did with Lundestrom earlier to a degree. Cause I just think that they're being asked to do something that might not be reasonable for where they are in their careers. Mm-hmm. Yep. And here we go. Uh, William Lewis said, uh, question for the pod. Does Zegris's personality make him more of a superstar than a McDavid? Yes. Yes. I said this about Matthews earlier. Like, you know, look, I totally respect what he, what Austin Matthews is trying to accomplish, being kind of more of a marketable guy, um, being more of a face for the league. Like, I think that that's important. I think that we need guys like that, and and I applaud everything that he's doing. That being said, <laughs> I think he's a little cringy. Like, I, you know, maybe is this like a wrestling term, cringe? I don't know. It's just a little. It feels forced. Why it would feels, that be a wrestling term? I don't know. It's just like an. It feels like an act. Maybe that's what I'm thinking okay. wrestling wise. It feels like an act a little bit. Um, it just feels like, or even if it's not an act, let's let's put it this way. It's like Matthew says something that's just even relatively close to not being a cliche, and all of Canadian media just kind of ogles over it, right? Um, so maybe it's not him that's forcing it so much, and maybe just more so the media that's forcing it, whatever the case may be. And then you have Connor McDavid, whose Instagram page is literally just ads for BioSteel, CCM, Adidas. Like it, it's just it's just one big ad. Um, so yes, Trevor Zegers is absolutely the biggest star in the league right now. I don't. I'm saying that with zero hesitation. He has the biggest star personality in the league. Yep. Uh, final one from Twitter. So Twitch coming to you guys next. Sea uh, Monkey zero zero one said, "How many ducks will be in the All Star Weekend?" One. Troy Terry. I'm gonna go with two. Well, isn't he the only one up for a vote, or do you the, have to vote no, in the other ones? Vote is only for the All or for the captain. Oh, oh, okay. Uh, I mean, I feel like John Gibson will get in J- just because narrative, you know? I think it's going to be Terry and Zegris. Like, uh, they're going to get Zegris. They're going to get I, Zegris. I don't know how you don't have Zegris there. I agree. I, I think I, I three agree. on three, Vegas, personality. Yeah. When's the game supposed to be? I don't know. February sometime, end of January, yeah. early we'll, February, something we'll, like that. We'll Who see knows? what that looks like. <laughs> All right. Yeah, exactly. All right. So here we go. Uh, now time to Twitch. So for those of you watching on YouTube, yes, go to youtube.com slash crash spawn. Uh, please like and subscribe uh, to our channel there. We have a good time. Um, or on your favorite podcast services, uh, take a look at our Twitch stream uh, if you are on any of those services. Uh, Twitch.tv slash Crash Pond, where we do our live stream each and every Monday at 8 p.m. And you can help support the show. If you have Amazon Prime, you get one free Twitch Prime gaming sub each and every month. You can be just like uh, Bionic Chris, who resub for 14 months. Ginger Wolf resub for 16 months. We have Lockdown Late Night uh, subbed for over for 26 months. Longtime subscriber. Uh, Justin, great to see you. Uh, Dan Grimshaw resub for 14 months. Ken Pafu, our good friend Tony, uh, resub for 27 months. Uh, Tony added this uh, little uh, note to it that I think is worth reading. Silverberg could have made that play, talking about the Zegers goal, happened by himself by tossing it up, then skating around and batting it in by himself. Yeah, I I don't know. Maybe I'm defending Silverberg too much, but I think let's give him a chance. Give him a chance. Yeah. Um, all right, so let's get into some questions. Sean Seabolt said, honest thoughts on Sam Carrick and should Braden Tracy be playing over Buddy Robinson? So I will say this. Sam Carrick has been very good. Yeah. <laughs> in, the, in the role that he's being asked to perform, he has been excellent. Like, it's, it's actually, 
you you can't you can't argue it at this point. Like Sam Carrick has been good. Sam Carrick is like the ideal uh, final form of Sam Steele at this point. Just a guy yeah. who can contribute on a fourth line. Um, as far as Buddy Robinson, I mean, is there any other reason that he's in the lineup besides the fact that he's six foot six? No, I mean his. I want to double check this. I he feel scored. Like his, <laughs> I don't want to no. like, bag on him, but his on ice numbers aren't horrible. Well, that's the thing that like Sam Carrick help like brings everybody along, right? Yeah, he, and and so, but yeah, he's looked fine. I mean, you know, big body gets out there and finishes his hits, goes to the net. Those are all things that Aikens loves. Um, but you know, I I think from a long term perspective, I think that the Ducks are playing it a, a defensible way. They are saying, okay, a guy like Buddy Robinson, who is more of a plug in and play guy, let's see what he has now in the NHL. Whereas guys like Tracy and Perot, they're, they're going well right now in the AHL. Let's just kind of leave that alone. Let's just yep. not mess with that for right now. I, I think that that's not a, it's not a crazy thing. I think that you can argue the other way and say, yeah, they, why not find out what they have at the NHL level? But I don't think that there's a bad way to go about this for them right now. Yep. Uh, early on, I'm, I was able to backtrack and find it. Ben Zodell said, would love a rundown of the Ducks in the World Junior. I know that there's four from the U.S. and Canada going. So I don't really know from Sweden if any of the Ducks prospects there are going to be going. But at least from the U.S. and Canada, the Ducks for sure have Mason McTavish and Olin Zellweger going because of Team Canada announcing their final roster. And then on the U.S. side, Pastajov and Ian Moore are uh, in the yeah. prelim camp. So should be, should be fun. Should be fun to be able to watch all of that and, and see it go down. I think Zellweger is going to be the name I really want to watch the most of, to be honest. Uh, Pastajov for me. Fair enough. Uh, Hardcore Luchador said, why is Grant even on this team? Couldn't the Ducks play anyone else? Yes. I mean, he was Good put question. on waivers and no one wanted him for free. Yeah, I think that the that the coach loves him. I mean, that's really the only explanation, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, NJ Devils fan 68, 68 said, MJF and CM Punk, who is the winning in the promo battle right now? Oh. I'm going to have to go with MJF, mainly because of the fact that him being like the ultimate babyface in Long Island made me laugh so hard. It was the best thing I think I've seen ever. So there you go, folks. Go watch wrestling; it's great. Um, don't, don't, don't. Wow, just, just, <laughs> just that. Uh, Nate has a question for you, Felix. Okay, let's hear. Would, it. You, would you like to know what it is? Well, I'm expecting you to read it. Yes. T- take a guess from our discussion yesterday in Discord. Oh uh, God, is this about food or is it about hockey? Hockey. Okay, is this about Fowler? Correct. Okay, let's hear the question. Fowler or Lindholm? Fowler, oh, Fowler, for sure. Explain I mean, your point. My point is is simple. Fowler has posted better results this year by a very wide margin. He's been consistently excellent since Aikens arrived. I think that Lindholm was good last year, but his play has dipped this year. Now, how much of that is playing with a checks notes 19-year-old? That could have something to do with it. But Wait, wait I, say that again. How old is he? 19. Are you, are, so, how old? Here's the problem with this, like the whole Lindholm thing, is that the people who will who will sing Lindholm's praises, uh, you know, might give him the excuse that he's playing with the 19-year-old, but those same people are also going to sing Drysdale's praises. So now I'm confused. Like, which is it? Um, all this to say that I think 
I just think Cam Fowler's very, very underrated. And, you know, Lindholm's fine. I'm, I'm not saying he's bad or anything, but put some respect on Cam Fowler's name. That's all I'm saying. He should be on Correct. Team USA. There Correct. you go. He Correct. deserves to be on Team USA more than Seth Jones. That is for sure. Oh, 100%. All yeah. right. Lockdown Late Night said, what do you think the likelihood that Manson is gone before the season ends? <sighs> that that sigh I just let out is me thinking that he might be extended or re-signed or whatever the correct term is. Do okay. you disagree? I very much disagree. Well, okay. Let me ask you this. Do you think all three of the guys are gone between Raquel and Holman Manson? I think Manson and Raquel are for sure gone. Lindholm and more iffy on. Okay. Moving on. Yep. Moving on. Uh, Bonnie asked, what position does Jones return to? So Jones is in a bit of a bind. I mean, I think when he gets back, someone has to go down, right? Like I think Sam Carrick might be done. Uh, You know, you're still going to have Adam Henrique in the fold. You know, do you put Jones with Silverberg and uh, and Lundestrom, and then you move? I do that as the fourth line. Well, yeah, but that's the problem, though, right? Is that yeah. those guys are going to be the third line? Um, yeah, the 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 what to do with Jones and Contois question is something that the Ducks don't really have to think about right now. I'm sure they are thinking about it because they have to. But I I'm very curious. Where like I think with Jones it's a little bit easier to fix because you can conceivably throw him onto the fourth line and and be okay with it. But with Contois, um, I don't think you can put Contois over Milano. I don't think you can put Contois over uh, Henrique. I think you have Henrique centering the third line and put Contois with Getzloff. Yeah, but that's not going to happen. I mean that's that's not that might not happen, but that's what they should do. Yeah. So tough. Tough yeah. situation. Uh, Dalton Keys asked, question, who finished with more points for the goals, Tracy or Perot? Perot. Yeah, I'm going to go with Perot. Tracy hate. <laughs> wow. Just, no, no. just wow. Getting. Getting. You, you put that out there uh, for Getting. real. For Getting. real. Wow. <laughs> who gets moved down when we get uh, Max and Henrique back? Uh, I think Carrick is probably done, although that seems – uh, I would expect Grant to get waived before Carrick does. Because here's the thing. They both need to go on waivers at this point. <laughs> yeah. Carrick needs yeah. waivers. He can't just be sent down. Yeah. That, uh, like I said, it's it's going to it's gonna put them in the tough spot. I mean, Jones is... Who has, who has more value to the Ducks right now? Sam Carrick or Derek Grant? Oh, Sam... I mean, that could be almost anyone on this team. No, I know, but that my question... But it is Sam Carrick. It, it was in some ways rhetorical because I knew what your answer was going to be, but that kind of brings up who do you put on waivers? <gasps> Bonnie's already jumping on Tracy Hate. Uh-oh. Shouldn't have said that. Yeah, you... Wow. You uh, you set yourself up for that one. <laughs> I'm okay with it. You really did. Okay. Uh, follow up on the on Manson from Lockdown Late Night. Can we get rid of him sooner rather than later? Felix's comment on the last part about how many times he blows coverage and creates a scoring opportunity for the other team is unbelievable. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, it's funny because listening to uh, the the PDO cast with Jack Hahn and his observation that the Ducks are having the D jump up in the play more and be more of that that weak side kind of trailer that's jumping up to give the the forwards an option i think for a guy like manson that really doesn't suit them because he he just doesn't work well when he has to make a play like he is a guy where the puck needs to be on a stick for as little time as possible and when he's in a position where he's being asked to support the offense 
you're opening up a situation where he's gonna he's just gonna do something crazy and you just have to live with it clearly yep. the ducks are okay with that but it's cost them a couple times already yep. Coldfire seven two five said other than zegris and the calder do you think any other duck has a chance at an award this season uh this is I easy mean, i mean is it troy terry no okay Who? dallas akins with the, oh yeah yeah. The Jack Adams. I if the Ducks players. make the playoffs, it... oh yeah, he's getting nominated. Yeah, like without question. Yeah. I mean, here I'll say this: I think that Troy Terry should be in Selkie? the Selkie conversation. Yeah, yeah, easily. Like, like he should absolutely get Selkie votes. Evolving Hockey actually had Troy Terry on their like ballot preseason for the Selkie. I, I think it's completely fair and like within it's consistent with even like just the narrative perspective of of the selkie like he's getting he's getting the offensive points right which is something that you need to win a defensive award which is weird um but yeah like i i absolutely like the, the one thing that works against him is he's not a center so maybe does getzloff for the masterton have legs sure i'm trying sure. to think I about mean, who he, else, who he i needs mean more Car- than a goal carrie price probably has a well, lock he needs on to it play. yeah yeah which I'm we trying- don't know if we will yet yeah, I'm trying to think. Maybe Jonathan Drouin also. Um, I mean, if Gibson plays well at all down the and stretch, gets wins, he's gonna get the he's gonna get Vesna votes for sure. Yeah, I don't know if he's getting first place votes. I don't think that's happening, but I think people are gonna talk about him. Yeah. Um, how many wins, game wins, until the Ducks are locked into a playoff spot? What what points percentage do you think they need to be at? Or at what point would you be comfortable saying they're locked into a playoff Well, spot? they're at 77% now with how many points in 30 games? Uh, making me do research. This shows that neither of us really look at the standings that uh, much. We do, we do not look at standings. Um, they have 37 points. Yeah, so they're 10. I, I mean, you're 12 games away or 11 games away from the halfway point. Uh, I think I mean, if the, if by the sixty game mark they're in the seventy range, I'd be comfortable saying they're in. Yeah, I mean, I think they're in. Yeah, I think they're in. Yep, agreed. I said. I mean, I said this like a month ago, though. Yeah. So I can't really go back on that now. Yeah. <laughs> um, Austin Price asks, "Have the Ducks given up on the idea of Raquel as a center?" Yes, they should. Yeah. They honestly should try him there. Why not? I mean. I, I give him I, I give him decent chances of being better than Isaac Lundestrom. Wow. Wow. You Lundestrom I've hate. like tried to like really Lundy qualify hate. every qualify everything to say we don't hate these players so that Bonnie doesn't come at us and you just like tee it up there. You know what I've realized, Jake? No matter how hard I try to be level and you know, get capture every side. There's always going to be people that push back that 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 go for the gotchas or the well actuallys. So you know what? I just don't care anymore. I I've given up. You're just trying. giving in. No, I'm not giving in. I'm just realizing that I don't need to couch what I say. I mean, I, when I couch stuff, I'm just saying it because I think it's fair. Like because I think it's fair to know all these things. But you said it yesterday. I I seemed punchy, and I just... you you were. <laughs> I like how me just I don't even know what I said that's that made you say that, but um no, I'm just I'm just saying what I think. Coldfire seven two five says if the ducks make the playoffs, does that guarantee an Aikens extension? How does Dallas Aikens not come back next year? I really want someone to explain this to me right now. Uh new general manager who wants his own coach. Yeah, but you have a coach who just brought this roster 
to a playoff berth. New general manager wants his own coach. You let me repeat myself. You have a coach who just brought this roster, which is likely to be an inferior version of the one next year, to the playoffs. Like, like uh, what? Like, doesn't it make sense if you're that new GM? You want your own person, but don't you want a? Uh, you also want someone that can bring the best out of your group, and you just saw a guy do that. New general so, manager wants his own coach that meets. I mean, his that's me- all you ideology. That's all you've presented, and I'm gonna go with. Uh, I'm gonna. You know what? What is it? What's today? Twelve thirteen. 9.39 p.m., Dallas Higgins will be the coach of this team next season. Write that in stone. I'm just throwing that out there. New GM wants his own coach. Hey, if I'm wrong... It's very... it Like, this isn't difficult, honestly. Is that... Like, sure, there, there there's a possibility, but I don't think it's guarantees that he Higgins is the, the head coach next year because a GM wants to bring in the guy that he has the same methodology as. And if him and Aikens don't see eye to eye, cause they're going to be working closely for the next however many years, then, then that doesn't set himself up well for success. And at the end of the day, I mean, Dallas Aikens also, uh, has a decision to make if he wants to come back. Yeah. I mean, I think he'd want to come back. I'm just saying it's not a guarantee. Okay, fine. Did I talk you out of your opinion? No. Oh, okay. No, I'm just, we need to move on from this so we can get uh, out of here. Lockdown late night said likelihood that Getzloff does one more season. I'm going to say two. Uh, he's he is guaranteed to play next year. I think two more years for Getzloff. I, I don't have any uh, inside info. I just he's playing too well to to hang him up. All right, let's end with this because this is a fun one from our good buddy Sean. The hardcore loose store said, "Question: If that's the case, Felix, about the way you feel, can we get a list of uh, all the ducks that you hate? It's not. It's it was a joke." It, it was a joke. <laughs> can, I don't can, hate anyone. <laughs> can, can we get a list of all the ducks that you hate? I don't hate any ducks. There you go. Wow. That's the answer. I mean, what wow. do you want me to say to that? <laughs> Nothing. Yes, here, here are the guys who I hate. No, I'm not going to say that. I, I was just I trying also, to screw with you. I also legitimately don't. I mean, why would I hate them? Like, why, <gasps> what? <laughs> no. Sorry. I just had to screw with you a little bit. I think I mean, that's going to do it, though. That's basically our show is is you you doing that. So, I mean. Good. It's been fun. People the enjoy hi- it. The highlight of the last week for me didn't have anything to do with, with hockey. It had to do with me going into the wrestling, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, channel in our Discord server and just copy and pasting tweets. I just typed in AEW like, as the hashtag on Twitter in the search function and just started copying and pasting tweets. And for a second, I had you guys. You guys thought that I was no, actually watching. you didn't have me. I had you for no. sure. No, we were like, whoa, no, because you've done that to me before in text messages. I knew <laughs> you had Lewis and, and Mike for a second, though. Okay, I will say this. I okay, I don't hate any player. Oh, I thought you were gonna. I thought you were gonna say you don't hate wrestling, but I hate narratives around players. Like, for example, the Lundestrom is awesome narrative. It annoys me because it's not based in much evidence outside of you know very very fluky stats um you know it's, it's stuff like that that annoys me so but it's not the, the specific players themselves mike saying that you didn't have him either you probably had lewis i, I had you all you, you just had, don't want to admit it i mean you probably had lewis let's be honest lewis love <laughs> you but you probably but took the bait i mean if his if his uh food takes are any indication also ooh, want to put this out there because i think it's important it's important that we put down this rebellion, that we nip it in the bud. 
What 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 now? Wet burritos are just they suck. Wet burritos are not good. You're about to get so much hate for this. No, it's fine. Like if you go to a restaurant, a nice sit down restaurant, Mexican restaurant, first off, if you order a burrito, I question that a bit because it's just not the move at a nice restaurant. And secondly, if you get a wet burrito to top it all off, you've you've committed a sin. There's no coming back from that. You you can't you can't ask for forgiveness for that one. It's just not the move. It's gross. It needs to be put down. And I'm sorry. I'm really sorry that it that it got to this point. Um, you're getting hate in the the Twitch <laughs> chat, by the way. You know, it's my favorite thing about a. <laughs> you know, it's my favorite thing about our food takes. I was listening to another podcast where they they were having like a food discussion. It was around Thanksgiving. And they were actually having like this nuanced conversation about like ingredients. <laughs> and I was like, wow, you know, like, is this, is this how we're supposed to do it? Cause ours are just straight up. Like <laughs> they're just straight up. Like, just, like conclusion, conclusion, like what? No, no evidence whatsoever. Just, you, nope, you are getting so much hate in the Twitch chat, by the way, wet burritos are delicious. Here's my take on it. Green sauce better than red sauce. That that's the yes, go-to there. We can agree on that. And, and here's the thing. Ordering a burrito at a Mexican food place is a completely standard thing to do, but you eat it with a fork not and knife then. It's not standard. Nothing about that is standard. Yeah. You but go yeah. fajitas or you go carne plate. Wet, wet burrito with a fork and knife, delicious. Um, all of it blending a, some cheese and sour cream on top of it all. Oh, so good. I just think it gets all soggy and That's the point. Disgusting. That's the point. Ooh, El Farolito is a great call though. That's the point, is that Uh, it it seeps into the tortilla. By the way, I don't hate Mexican food. I actually love Mexican food, but I I just think, you know, every cuisine has its blind spot. Every... Every cuisine has the black eye that it has. So to wear. you're saying a burrito is a that is a no, staple no, of Mexican food. No wet burrito specifically. Do not also try a to staple. Go- also a staple <laughs> of Mexican food. Look, if people want to come at me for this, I I respect it. You know, it's like you can definitely try to make the case for the wet burrito, but I will I not mean, agree. A a really good burrito should be eaten with a fork and knife. That's my my take here. No. Yeah, a really no. good burrito is bit is is the size of something that you don't pick up and eat with your hands. Okay, let's unpack that for a second. You're saying that that if it's really good, that means it's going to be bigger, which means you can't eat it with your hands. Correct. When we just we don't have enough time for this. <laughs> we're, we're, we're an hour forty one in. We, we I have so many thoughts, but I think we got to get out of here. Twitch has decided, by the way, that you've lost this one. I've won. What have I lost? I, I've won. I've won this battle. Um, look, I respect the fact that you like wet burritos, but I think you're wrong about that. Like, who wants to cut up a burrito? Who wants to do that? Fundamentally, it's fantastic. It's not. Burritos are meant to be eaten with your bare hands. Wow. There's there's something. There's just something. This may be the like biggest argument we've had on the podcast. No, there's for sure been cinnamon bigger. toast crunch is bigger. I feel like our earlier pods in the early days had had more just like debates on. Like, it's because we covered every game. Yeah, like we we, we we did we did more hours. We disagreed on like minor points a lot more. Um, yeah. Anyway, man, I'm glad I got that off my chest. Though. I feel I feel so much better already. Now now the narrative is that I hate Swedes and Mexican food. 
it's yeah. funny because both of those things are just so wrong. Um, but I'm okay with it. I'm not All right. Wrong. I think it's time to get out of here unless you have any other bad food take that you want to out. Uh, I feel like I had something else. Oh, oh my. Now I have to out you. Now I have to bury you. <laughs> now I have to just leave you in the dust. So this is something that Jake said in our Discord chat yesterday. By the way, the food channel is worth the price of admission alone. Jake prefers the artificial table syrup. We've like definitely syrup. discussed this on the podcast before. I'm just but we have maybe maybe we have some new listeners who haven't heard this before. I know that you probably don't want this to see the light of day again. Oh, I don't care. <laughs> but you prefer the the Aunt Jemima's, the the log yeah. cabins, yeah. which is which is just pretty much chemical waste. Like I get the or- even, I get the organic log cabin. We don't know what that is. Um, yeah, you can't. But you prefer that to like real maple syrup, which yeah. is like th- that's just such a bad opinion. Like I don't even I, my brain is breaking trying to ex- explain why you're wrong. I grew up with it, and so I like the taste more. That's like saying you prefer McDonald's to. I don't know, a high-end burger or something. Here's the ingredients in the, the log cabin all-natural table syrup. <laughs> oh, he's, he's pulling up the ingredients. Brown oh. rice syrup, water, cane sugar, brown sugar, natural flavor, citric acid. Yeah. That's it. Not not pictured. Maple. Maple syrup. Yeah. Brown rice syrup? Are you kidding me? Yeah. I like oh. the taste of that more than I like maple syrup. Like, that is a concoction. That is sure. an, like That is a literal concoction. Um, Cold fire saying I hate com- uh, Canadians. Confirm. I may or may not have brought this up just to bring some some of the public ba- <laughs> yeah, back to. I, yeah, I think you're trying to. You re- you realize that the public completely they, they've you, already they've already you, tuned me out. Because you of the you, wet burrito take. you tried to out me and you got outed yourself, and so now no. you're trying to bring up another take. Hey, I agree. I get it. I get that it's not the popular take. I get that maple syrup <laughs> by a lot of people is considered better. That's completely fine. It's just what I grew up with, so it's what I like. Oh man, you know you you I, like how my defense of something is, that is unpopular is just saying, "Hey, it's my taste. I like it more," and I don't try to bring down everyone. Whereas you, with your unpopular opinion, just tries to just throw all the shade at me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it, it would be boring if it if we would just you know we're re- repeating ourselves. Okay, dang, people are agreeing with you on this too. I am just boom. I am stacking. Oh wait, Natay's agreeing with me. I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> Yeah, you, you might want to just might kidding. Wanna, uh, just kidding. Press pause in the parade. Okay. Well, if you have enjoyed our show today, uh, we're gonna start wrapping up here. If you enjoyed our show today, there are a few ways that you can support us, uh, which are gonna help us keep this thing going. This is a labor of love, but anything that you can do to help will go a long way. The number one way is our Patreon page, Patreon.com/slash Crash the Pond. I think we've brought it up at least seventeen times in the show today. But it is so worth it. For a dollar a month, you get access to our Crash the Pond Discord server, where you get to hang out with fellow hardcore Ducks fans, a great, thriving community uh, with just some of the best people you'll meet, people that are there to have a good time, to have a positive conversation about whether it's hockey, we have the food channel, we have a gaming channel. If you're looking for people to game with, you have a general chat. We have it all on there, and I think that it's, it's really become my favorite place to hang out on the internet i mean if i'm being honest like when you look at twitter sure twitter has its pros but it also has its definite cons and our discord is not that it is everything you would want from a from a community and i'm really i'm really proud honestly of of where that's gotten and i'm proud of the fact that 
Jake and I didn't really have anything to do with it. Like, sure, we brought the people in, but the people that are in it are what make it, and that has just uh, really been awesome. So, yeah, it, it's a it's an amazing community in there, and it's very welcoming. It's very fun. Very welcoming. Like the day you sign up, you're going to get a welcome message from everybody. Um, and you will be welcome with open arms. Just, just beware of Lou's, uh, Lou's takes in general. Yeah, there are some pretty bad food takes in there. But, you know, like that that's the one channel oh, where... Oh, also, 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 beware of the turtle. <laughs> yeah, that, I don't really understand that one yet. It's fine. There, there's a... How do you... What? There's there's a turtle committee? My My goal is to never actually understand that. Like, I don't want to ever understand it, it. It's really not that hard. It's because Lewis would post something in a Twitter or a tweet in there that was already posted, like, three times before. Yeah. So it's a turtle, turtle because emoji. it's slow. Yeah, whatever. Um, I don't – the whole committee thing, I'm, I'm staying out of that. Uh, $5 a month, though, you get access to that chat, that server, but you also get access to two bonus podcasts. So that's where Jake and I will dive into league-wide topics – we did our top 10 NHL players in a like keeper fantasy draft over the weekend. So essentially, who are the 10 guys that we would pick first um, if we're building a franchise right now? Spoiler alert, Trevor Zegers may or may not have been one of them. Um, so we do two of those a month. And we also do a little bit more of the unfiltered. Uh, today's show is pretty unfiltered. But we do. if you enjoy kind of the, the banter on the show, you, get that, you definitely get that in droves at the $5 tier. Now, for $15 a month, you get access to everything I just said, but you also get to join us for two watch-alongs a month. So that is where we do a live stream of two Ducks games where we will give you our live feedback, our live analysis. We'll kind of shoot the breeze. We'll have a private YouTube uh, stream, so that way you can keep track of the game, see where we're at time-wise, and also chat with us as the game is happening. So all of that is at patreon.com slash crash the pond, and that is the one where I think, honestly... If you are a Ducks fan in 2021, signing up for our Patreon, even if it's just the dollar tier, will greatly enhance your experience as a fan. I, I actually really think that. Um, but if you don't want to pledge any money a month, that's totally understandable, totally fine. Um, there's still a couple of ways that you can support us. The number one is probably going to be at Apple Podcasts. So just search for Crash the Pond, leave a rating and a review. And if you leave the review, we'll read it on the show. And I think we have a new one. Although I'm not seeing it on mine, Jake. Oh, it was a YouTube comment that you sent me today. Yeah, there was okay. a YouTube comment that I think was really nice. And so okay. here, let me bring it up. Uh, uh, do you have it? I texted it to you. Well, let me bring this up while while we get to that. So just, you know, if you go to Apple Podcasts and search for us, uh, leaving a review is a great way to help the show. And it's completely free to you. It probably just takes a couple minutes. And then... You can also find us on Spotify. Same deal there. Search for us, subscribe, helps the show a ton. Or you can find us on YouTube, youtube.com slash crash the pond. You can see the video version of the show. You can see our Twitch stream, the feed there, and you can see the charts that Jake posts throughout the show. You can see his cat climb up onto his back at different points or pass through the screen during the scream and now i found the comment that was left today so we do look at the comments on youtube because we get some yeah, good ones and, and this is one that i think is worth reading you want to go for it sure this is from rj saying i've been subscribed to you guys a little over a year now and have been just absolutely thankful for your content i'm currently in the uk right now on vacation by myself and have been forced to stay here because i tested positive for covid times are really tough right now for me 
but watching these videos definitely makes me feel better and lets the isolation time go by faster so I can soon be home with my family. Thank you guys for making me happy. Ah, man, RJ, that is, that one was tugging at the heartstrings. Um, first and foremost, I wish you the absolute best in terms of your health. I hope that you are getting through that um, without any issue. And I am wishing you an awesome, speedy recovery and that you will be back home with your family as soon as humanly possible. And the fact that we have helped you in any way, shape or form during your time here, isolating uh, means a lot. So yeah, leave us a, leave us a YouTube comment and we might read it on the show. Yep. Now, that's at youtube.com slash crash the pond. You can also find our website, crashthepond.com. Now, it is that time of year. Maybe you have a Ducks fan in your life. You want to buy them a cool gift, something to help them rep their team even further. Hey, the Ducks are in the playoffs this year. They're playing well. They have an exciting roster. Why not get them a Crash the Pond hoodie or t-shirt to go with that? It feels like the perfect time to jump on board the bandwagon. Um, we have a nice little assortment on our website. You can get a hoodie with our beautiful logo, uh, a beautiful crest that has the Honda Center arches and the palm trees. You can get the orange and black version in terms of the logo, or you can get the eggplant and jade. We have every flavor fan covered if you're more of an old school type or you like the newer logo. Um, so that's at crashthepond.com slash shop. You can also find Crash the Pond on Twitter and on Facebook. Just search Crash the Pond. Jake is on Twitter at ReindeerGames91. Make sure to give him a follow. And I'm on Twitter at Felix underscore Sicard. So unless Jake has anything else here. No, he's shaking his head. Okay. Well, then we're out of here. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great week, and we will talk to you a week from now. Bye!